0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, verses uh, from verse 1. We will come back to the... um... To the uh, series on Revelation. Jeremiah chapter 18, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I'll cause you to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. And then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something. Will everyone say something? Something Something at the will. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to him. And Lord, we're so glad that we can just come to church and sit at your feet. Our prayer, Lord, is that by the Holy Spirit, that you would just come and uh, speak to us today. We know the power of one thought, one word. Um, Father, that we can be going in one direction, Lord God, but because of a thought or a word, it can, it can change our perception of ourselves and it can change the direction of our lives. Let that be the case today. That as we hear this word, as we break bread together, Lord, that something's going to shift that destinies are going to be changed, eternal destinies are going to be changed because of what happens here today. We're hungry to hear a word from you and we've come with faith and expectation and this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. message this morning is entitled, uh, Something Beautiful. I wonder when you look at your life, what do you see? Uh, So often when we look at our lives, all we see is the flaws. (laughs) flaws. <laughs> Isn't it funny? We, 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 we look at ourselves and we don't always see the good things. Well, what we tend to see is the flaws, the mistakes, the weaknesses. But we look at everybody else though and everybody else's life seems like they have got it all together. They seem to be doing well. Uh, they seem to have a life with no hassles or problems. Uh, everything they touch seems to turn to gold. Uh, everything seems to go easy for them especially if you believe their uh, social media posts. I mean, their life must be amazing, uh, according to their posts on social media. Uh, If that's you today, if that's how you feel about yourself today, uh, I pray that this word would speak to you, uh, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us as we uh, explore this familiar passage of Scripture that no doubt if you've been in church for some time, you will have heard a message or two or three on this particular passage. But my prayer is that it's going to come alive uh, today in our hearts and in our lives. A text comes from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet to the people of Israel, but he wasn't doing too well. Um. Uh, No one liked him. They wouldn't listen to him. They hated him. They rejected him. Uh, Israel turned away from God. They had abandoned their faith in God. And Jeremiah was called to tell them to turn back to God or there would be consequences. But they didn't listen. They rejected his entire ministry. Uh, More than that, he was persecuted uh, for speaking the Word of God. One occasion he decided, I'm not going to speak the Word of God anymore. Every time he spoke the Word of God, he got into trouble. People hated him. They threw rocks at him. Uh, uh, They gave him a really hard time. He makes a decision. I'm not going to speak the Word of God anymore. Listen to what happened. He says, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding back and I could not. He couldn't hold back the Word of the Lord. He had to speak the Word of God. One time, things were so bad, uh, he felt so bad about himself uh, that he cursed the day that he was born. Cursed the day that he was born is how bad he got. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And in our text, God speaks to him. He has a word for the people of Israel. Uh, God says to him, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will Cause you to hear my words. I want you to go down to the potter's house and um, I'm going to speak to you about a few things. Uh, what's interesting is that God sends him there. Could've, God could have just given him the message, but, but he wants him to go and see something. He wants, he wants Jeremiah to get a visual, a picture of uh, what, he, what he was wanting to say to the people of Israel. I don't know about you, but many times God speaks to me, to us, through pictures. Uh, Sometimes as I'm praying about a situation, you kind of get a picture about something and the picture represents something that God wants to do or uh, helps us to understand whatever it is we might be going through. Think about Jesus' ministry. He often spoke in parables. The idea was to communicate truths through images or stories that people could relate to. So It's so much easier uh, to be able to teach truths through a, through a picture. And many people heard the saying, a picture is better than a thousand words. And so often that's true. And so uh, he says to Jeremiah, I, I want you to go uh, to the potter's house. Now, he wasn't sending him to the potter's house because he wanted to give him a lesson on pottery. That wasn't the purpose of it. I'm gonna teach you how to make pots. Uh, God was going to teach him a lesson about life. More than that, God was going to speak to him and reveal his own heart for the people of Israel. God God was wanting to pass on a principle about his own heart. God wanted to reveal something about his own heart to the people of Israel. He says, go down to the potter's house. I'm going to show you something. Bible says, then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the will. So what, do, what does this image actually mean? What does the, the potter and with a bit of clay, what, what does that all mean? It's pretty obvious what it means. There's nothing too deep here. Uh, the Bible clearly tells us both in the Old and New Testaments what this picture represents. It refers to it on many occasions. In the image, God is obviously the potter and we are the clay. Isaiah says, but now, O Lord, you are the father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are the work of your hand. So God says to Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. So he goes to the potter's house, and the potter has some clay in his hands. It's basically a bit of of dirt. The Bible says that potter was making something. I, 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 want, I want this thought to get into our hearts this morning. It's a simple thought and yet such a powerful thought that God wants to do something with our lives and that God wants to shape something in our hearts and in our lives and in our future that He can use for His glory. Here was the potter, he, was, he had this piece of clay and he was, he was, he was making something with, with this clay. God wants to make something with our lives. God wants to shape something in our hearts. The Bible says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10, powerful words. We are the workmanship of God. God has worked something in our hearts and in our lives. He wants to work something inside of us for His glory. Text goes on to say, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Anybody done some pottery? Anybody ever done pottery? Yeah, picture's very clear. So as the potter is making something with with, with his hands, as he's making something with this lump of clay, uh, um, the, the, the potter... You know, it kind of gets messed up, you know, and so Potter brings it all back together again and he makes another vessel with it, the same clay. Notice it's messed up, uh, but it's in the hands of the, of the, of the Potter. You know, if you're messed up in your heart somewhere, the best place for us to be is in the hands of the Potter, <laughs> just to be in his hands. Perfect or not, even if we were messed up, the greatest thing that we can do is be be in the hands of the potter. People have all these preconceived ideas about God. Oh, He's an angry God. He's a frustrated God. Can't wait to punish us or deal with us. He has a vision for our lives. His vision for our lives is to make us miserable. That's what some people think. That His goal in life is to destroy or remove all the joy from our lives and just got to exist through life. Notice the potter who's a picture of God doesn't, doesn't throw the, claw, the clay away. He doesn't get so frustrated with the clay and think, but I've had enough of this clay. It's marred. It's no good. Takes it off the wheel, throws it into the corner. As long as the clay is in the, in the, in the potter's hand, he starts again. He starts again. He starts shaping it again. He brings it all back to the middle and and starts shaping it again. I want us to get a picture of what's happening here. I want us to get a revelation of what was happening here because this picture affirms exactly who God is and what He wants to do in our life, how God chooses to work in our lives. It's so important that we understand this because so often we give up on ourselves. So, so So often we give up on ourselves. We see the flaws in our lives. We see see the mistakes in our lives. We see the challenges, the weaknesses. We see all the things that are not right inside of our lives and we start to give up on ourselves. It's one thing to make a mistake once. but When it happens continuously, we, we start to give up. And it's in those times that we need to get a revelation of who God is and how He wants to work in our lives. God says, I I see something in this clay. I I see a vessel in this clay. I see something good in this clay. There's something in this clay. I know it doesn't look like very much at the moment. At At the moment, it just looks like a lump of dirt. That's all it looks like right now. But what I see, I see something in here. We see, all, we see all the mud. We see all the problems. We see all the mistakes. We see all the things that are not going right. We see all the, all the dysfunctions in our lives. Anybody here got one or two dysfunctions? Nobody in this place. You guys are amazing and deceived. We, we see all the stuff that's wrong. We see all of our weaknesses. See all of our mistakes. That's what we focus on. But God sees something in that clay. God, God sees something powerful in that, play, in that clay. Often when people look at us, they don't see anything good in our lives. Sometimes parents have said, you know, look at you, you know, uh, highlighting all of our weaknesses. Sometimes siblings have treated us that way. Or other people, significant people in our lives. Isn't it amazing how one word at times from a significant person in our life can destroy us? It could be just a word. It could be just a word. You're useless. You'll never amount to anything. You're flawed. And it's a word that gets into our spirit. When that word gets into our spirit, it has the capacity to to influence the decisions we make, how we live our lives, how we see ourselves. It has this way of affecting everything about us. But when God sees us, He sees something good. Good. He's got this lump of clay on this wheel. And as he looks at this lump of clay, to anybody else looking at it, what's that lump of clay doing on there? It's just a lump of clay. It's just dirt. But when God sees this, he sees something. He sees something. God doesn't create mistakes. God doesn't create mistakes. He doesn't create people and go, oops, I made joy. What am I going to do with him now? He sees something in you. He sees something in me. Michelangelo was asked one day as he was bringing in a block of marble to his office, what he was going to make out of it. He said, every block of stone has a statue inside it and it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. I see an angel in this marble and I want to set it free. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. God sees you as what you are becoming, not what you are. God, 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 God sees something inside of you. He sees what you are becoming, not what you are today. He can see 10 years ahead and 20 years ahead. He can, he can see good inside of you. He sees the potential in you. God sees you in Christ, in the blood of Jesus. God sees you restored, set free from your past, from your hangups, addictions, from whatever it is that's holding you back. God sees what no one else can see. God, God, God sees something powerful in your life. Oh, Pastor Joe, that might be good for the person sitting next to me. It doesn't apply to me. No, it applies to you. It's you I'm actually talking to. God sees something in your life. One time one person said, Every, everybody can be a genius at something. How true that is. Everybody can be a 10 out of 10 at something. How true that is. It's invested inside all of us. God will never define you by your mistakes or the dysfunctions in your life. People will, but God will never, God will never define you by those things. Anyone can spot greatness in greatness, but only God can see greatness in nothingness. So look at the Bible. We see so many examples of this. One of the great examples, simple story, but you know, it's a story of Gideon. The people of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites that cried out to God. God wants to deliver them. So he sends an angel to speak to Gideon. He says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? You know, so this angel appears to Gideon and says, and says uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, go in the strength that you have. Now notice Gideon's reply, verse 15 of Judges chapter 6. Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Notice the difference between what Gideon saw in himself and what God saw in him. What God saw in him was a mighty warrior, a person of strength that could conquer an army. How did he say, I'm the weakest and I'm the least and I'm the nothing and I'm, and I'm just a nobody and I'm, I'm a waste of space. What Gideon saw was just a lump of clay. What God saw was a mighty warrior. So often, what we see in ourselves is our flaws, our weaknesses. I'm just a lump of clay, but what God sees is something beautiful—someone who can do great things for God. You remember when Samuel went to anoint one of David's, um, one of Jesse's sons, had to be king, and sons all line up. Samuel looks at these tall, dark, and handsome young men. Looked a little bit like me, and he thinks. Um, that was a joke. Come on, help me out here a little bit. And he thinks, surely one of these must be the next king. You know the story. And God, God speaks a word into Samuel's heart and says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at their appearance or at their physical stature because I have refused them for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God can see something in that lump of clay that no one else can see. And he sees something in there, something powerful. Some of us need to change that little record player that's in our heads. Some of us need to change that, 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 those, that phrase that just continues to come in our heads. We need to start to, we need to, start to challenge some of those, those thoughts that now have become habit patterns in our mind. The Bible calls them strongholds. I'm just a lump of clay. I'm just a, and you can finish off that sentence for yourself. I'm just a nothing. I'm just a no. I'm just this. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just this. Finish that off. Why don't we start to change that, that, that phrase? Why don't we start to change that record into, I, I'm, I'm, I'm something in the hands of God. Uh, in and of itself, I, I may not look like much, but I'm something in the hands of God. I was created by God for such a time as this in the name of Jesus. The Bible says we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We make it obedient to the Word of God, to the truth of God's Word. And when we do that, the Bible says, God's truth will set us free. It brings freedom in our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but, but we've all got a sin nature that has a tendency to always bring us down. We have an en- the enemy of our soul that always wants to bring us down and it takes work to continuously lift us up, but it's not too difficult work. It's the kind of work that we need to do every single day. And we need to speak to ourselves and talk to ourselves <laughs> as long as people are not around you. Otherwise, they're gonna think you're weird. But we got to talk to ourselves. we got to say stuff to our. Come on, Joe, you're created by God. You're not just a nobody. God has created you for such a time as this. He's put gifts in your life. He's anointed you in the name of Jesus. And He wants to make something in your life. I know you think you're just a piece of clay, but God wants to make something with you. And I say, yeah, but I've got a few problems. I'm a little bit mad. And God says, "And God says, I can, I can, I can start again. I can do it. I can make something else with you. I can deal with those mud spots in the clay. I know how to deal with those things. And I can make something else in your life which is powerful and great. Aren't you glad that God sees what no one else can see? Along comes this young boy called David. He's just, he just looked like a lump of clay, a shepherd boy. And God says, anoint him for he shall be the next king. Question, how do you see yourself? Do you see just a lump of clay or do you see someone God can use? I want you to know that God hasn't finished with you or me yet. That God wants to do something with our lives. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Pastor Joe, you don't understand. Some people say who I am, what I've done. But, I'm, but I keep fighting. You don't understand how broken I am. And we serve a God that knows how to deal with broken clay. There was a song we used to sing in war times, a long time ago. Um, something beautiful. How many people remember this chorus? Something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him, was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life how can we how can we make sure that God makes something beautiful out of our lives does it just happen automatically or is there something that we can do to ensure that our that God does make something beautiful out of our lives a couple of things a few simple thoughts before we, before we break bread. If we're going to let God shape us to something beautiful, we just need to remember who He is. I want you to know that God loves you and He wants to bless you. He created you for purpose. God thinks incredible thoughts about you. If, if we're going to be everything that God wants us to be, the first thing we need to do is we need to get a right perspective of who God is. Before you get a right perspective of yourself, you need to get a right perspective of who God is. He's created you your perspective of yourself will always stem from your perspective of who God is or whatever God you have in your life. God thinks incredible thoughts about you. Psalm 139, how precious are your thoughts about me? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. How precious are your thoughts about me, Lord God? They are more numerous than than the grains of sand. How how incredible is that? When he looks at you, he doesn't just see a lump of clay. He sees so much more. And if you would just place yourself in his hands, he can make something beautiful out of your life. Number two, if we're gonna let God shape us, we need to understand the process that God uses. So often we say, oh, do something with my life, Lord. Make something beautiful out of my life. Lord, you see that stuff inside of me. It needs to go, Lord God. Just, Just do something with my life. Shape me into a vessel of honour, we say. God says, you sure? I say, yes, God. Do it, Lord God. I heard a great message on a Sunday. Yes, God, make me into a vessel of honour. God says, you sure? Yes, Lord. Okay. Notice how the New Living Translation puts it. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it mm, into a lump of clay and started again. Have you seen the professionals do proper p- pottery? Pottery. They put the clay in the middle, they shape it, and then within two minutes, there's this work of art, voila, a vessel of honour. Uh, I remember doing pottery at school. My pottery experience was just a little bit different. Uh, first challenge was getting the clay in the middle of the wheel. Anybody remember that? Come on, some of you have done pottery. Biggest challenge, getting that thing in the middle of the, of, of the wheel and staying, mine was a rebellious piece of clay. That's what it was was rebellious, wanted to go this direction, that direction. And uh, that was the first, first And then it was try to make something out of it, you know, but I had a lot of challenges. Oops. <laughs> Seats are breaking. Amen. Let's get into another seat. Might be good. Oh, and s here. Um, So, you know, I try and make something and then uh, it wouldn't work, push it all back together again and uh, crush it and then start again and crush it again and start again. How does God shape us into something beautiful? Sometimes it requires a crushing experience. Think about the people who were used by God. David, Joseph, Moses, a lot of them went through some tough times. As God began to shape them, God began to shape their heart and, and their lives and God uses people and God uses circumstances to shape us. The purpose of the crushing is not to destroy us, that's to shape our heart and our character. One third thing, if we're gonna get let God shape us into something beautiful, we need to stay on the wheel. It's probably the most important principle of all. Jeremiah is getting a message about the nation of Israel. The Bible says then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, "Can I not do with you Israel as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel." Uh, this is this is just beautiful because this phrase, this verse is coming straight out of God's heart. It's God pleading uh, with the people of Israel. It's it's God um, uh, w- wanting to speak its a tender word for the people of Israel. A real clay doesn't have a will of its own, but we do. And God was saying to the people of Israel, learn from the potter, if you would just stay in my hands, if you would just let me shape you, if you would just be tender and malleable and teachable, there's so much I could do with you. He was Israel that was ignoring God. They'd abandoned the worship of God. They were living in sin. They were worshiping other gods. And, and, and God, it's as if God is pleading with them. And he's saying, Could you just, would, you, would you just learn from the potter? Would you just put yourself in my hands and, and see what I can do with you? Let me make something beautiful with your life. As we know the story, Israel didn't hear Jeremiah's words. They ignored the word of God. And pretty soon, Jeremiah was, uh, Jerusalem was completely destroyed and they were led into captivity. They ignored the word of Jeremiah, and they were led into captivity. God is saying the same thing to our, you and me. We can choose to either stay on the wheel, stay in his hands, stay malleable, stay teachable. We can choose to do, or we can choose to do our own thing. We can choose to choose to, to have a tender heart towards the things of God, or we can have you know a, a, a strong will and say, no, I'm, I'm just gonna do life my own way, and ignore God. I love the story of David. It reminds us of who God is and how God works in our lives. David was chosen by God to be king. God blessed him. He—he uh, he, So much that happened in his life. But we know the story. One day he sinned with Bathsheba. There's adultery, pregnancy, murder. I mean, this is worse than days of our lives. I mean, just an amazing story. What did David do when this happened? He got off the wheel. He got off the wheel. As we read the story, there's no sense of remorse or regret in him. Gets on his life and... As usual, until the prophet Nathan knocks on his door, Nathan tells him a story about sheep. One guy has lots of sheep, one has a little lamb. The guy with lots of sheep wants the one lamb and he takes it by fours. And David says, tell me who that man is. For he shall surely die. And Nathan says, David, you're that man. You're that man. So God looks to David and says, and speaks to David through the prophet Nathan. He says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul and I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your hands. I gave you all Israel and Judah and if that had not been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Why did you get off the wheel? God's desire is to do so much in our lives. He wants to shape us and mold us. He wants to do something, wants to make something special with our lives. All we need to do is keep a heart that's malleable before God, a teacher will before God. Um, we get off the wheel when we ignore the commands of God, when we turn our back on God, when we say, God, I'm gonna do my own thing. But the greatest thing that we can do is just stay malleable before God. Stay in the hands of God. I said, Joe, how, how do you actually do that? Really, I mean, how do you how do you stay malleable? It's the, the greatest thing that you can do is just find a place, come into the presence of God, and talk to God and say, God, would you would you, would you do something with my life? Would you search me, shape me, use me for Your glory? Jameson Franklin tells a true story of a billionaire called Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn was an art lover. He buys a Picasso called La Riveur. It's called The Dream, by the way. That's French for The Dream. My French isn't too good. Buys his painting for 50 mil in 2001, kept it for five years, and then sells it to a guy called Steve Cohen for a cool 139 million. Five years later. Uh, Just before he sends the painting away, Steve Wynn throws a party. My celebrities, important people to this party, in the room on an easel is this painting worth $139 million. At the end of the night, he gives a speech while standing next to the painting. Not sure what happens exactly, but um, as he's giving this speech, he trips and puts his elbow through the painting. Of course, the sale is off. And so he searches the world for an art surgeon could have called me, I would have done it pretty quickly, finds a man in Europe who has a look at the painting and says, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can fix this. It's going to take a bit of time, but I can't fix it. Took about a year to restore the painting. And sure enough, by the end of this time, the painting was as, was as good as perfect. As you looked at it, you could not see that it had a rip in it. Same guy, Steve Cohen, called Steve Wynn, a year later, still wanting the painting. And after it was restored, he paid a cool $155 million for that same painting. It was worth more after being restored than it was before. There are some of you here today that have given up on yourselves. There are some of you that look at your life and you think, what a waste of space. All you see is a lump of clay. All you see is the flaws, the rips, the brokenness, the dysfunctions in your life. You look at others and you think, well, look how lucky they are. If that's you today, I want you to know that God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you would just place yourself in His hands. He will make something beautiful out of your life. Speaking of Jesus, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Pastor Joe, you don't understand. The, 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 the flaws, my, my heart is broken. Well, the Bible says that one of the reasons why Jesus came, He came to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, you can be captive by all kinds of things. Oh, you can be free, but you can be captive to all kinds of things. The opening of prison doors to those who are bound. I'm not in a jail. How many people know more people are in prison today outside of prison than inside of prison? prison to habits and to the past and to circumstances and situations to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, says Jesus. It's a prophetic word about Jesus. In Luke chapter four, Jesus, when He began His ministry, quoted this same Scripture. And I want you to know this morning that the Spirit of the Lord is here today. And He's here to do exactly the same thing to minister to each and every one of us. Chorus, something beautiful, has a verse that says, If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And hope for life's best were were the hopes that I harbour down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes and my castles all crumbled. My fortune turned to loss, so I wrapped it all in the rags of life and laid it at the cross for something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, He understood. All I had to offer Him was brokenness and strife. But He made something. He made something beautiful out of my life. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. You can ask the ushers to come. We're going to get prepared to take communion this morning. The emblems are going to be distributed as we sing. And I want you to hold them in your hands. And as you do, I just want you to think about the message today. And I want you to just reach out to the Lord. Say, Lord, would you do something with my life?